and welcome to Sensory Overload. I'm Allie. I'm John. And we are here to talk to you about the IEP from hell. How are y'all today? Yeah. Hey, you remember how we did a previous episode about IEPs? How to be collaborative. How to be, you know. A sucker. (laughs) How to to work with people and and try and find the the best way. Having a tone that isn't yelling. Yeah. Yeah, we were wrong about that. We're sorry. <laughs> Turns out when you bring a lawyer to the meeting, they... Uh, they yell. They come at you different. We still behaved ourselves, just for the record. Yeah, the yelling was not us. Mostly. Uh, before we begin, just want to tell you all, if you have any IEP horror stories or anything else you want to throw to us, you can send it to sensoryoverloadpodcast at gmail.com or go to sensoryoverloadpodcast.com and click on all our social media links. As um, our friend John Longino says, all the things that make life terrible, Instagram, Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, it's all there. Or a form of connection. Depends on how you're feeling that day. Oh, man. Yeah. IEP's the sequel. IEP's the sequel. So we have a lawyer. So there are specifics that we won't necessarily go into as we are in a continuing legal battle. It was bad. It was very bad. The energy was bad. There was a lot of yelling at us, at the lawyer. It was a bad, bad scene. And so then we (laughs) We had people who had, you know, been to other IEPs. Many others. I haven't seen that before. Like at all. Nothing at that level. Yeah. Especially where they were like, especially when the parents weren't yelling. (laughs) I was like, what? Yeah, usually it's the parents that are yelling is what they said. It's like, usually it's the parents. So it's weird when they're not and everybody else is. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess. But it's one of those things where we went, oh, okay. So at the district level, at least, it's a business. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I would felt, say. It felt honestly like we were in a crappy Wall Street business meeting instead of talking about a child and her yes. education. Yes. We went into this with the best of uh, intentions, but with a lawyer still thinking that we were going to be talking with the people that we had spoken to in the past. That actually didn't turn out to be true. We looked up at one point and realized, oh, there's only a couple of friendly faces here. There are several different teachers that she has this year, different general ed, different special ed, a different principal because our, you know, the regular principal is on uh, leave. There's just, there were just a lot of people that we've been working with over the last five years that were not present. And I think that if they were still there, things might have gone a little differently because we've been sort of accruing goodwill i would like to think that we have been over the last five years or six years doing this we've been accruing the goodwill we've been saying okay we'll try it your way Mm -hmm. we have thoughts on the matter and they would take our thoughts into consideration and and adapt them to what they were capable of of doing and we're seeing the stuff that were cracks before COVID has just ripped wide open yeah it was a big mess but i think what it comes down to is like yes be collaborative but if they are not giving you things that will help your child learn just keep pushing yeah you have every right to you should push and push early i think it really made me realize okay you have to constantly evolve your expectation of how effectual you are because <laughs> sounds real smart, doesn't it? It sounds true because there's a lot of big words there. But it's true in that it's like we needed help. You know, we need a lot of help. We have tried so hard to carry so much of the weight in terms of being there for Monkey and helping her get in a proper schooling situation. I do believe that most people who go into this line of work care so much about our kids, really want to be there for them. And it's a really hard job. But I think at least at the administrative level, it's almost like, have you forgotten what the goal is? 
because I feel like you've kind of forgotten what the goal is, is to make sure that each of these children get a free and appropriate public education. And that also means that it's actually working for them, not just your idea of what should. <laughs> well, and it's hard to, I mean, in this weird world where they're not giving information, there was a large argument about uh, our choice to put her in the virtual academy and we said outright, we made the decision based on the information you gave us. The information you're saying to us now is completely different than what you were saying three months ago when you forced a decision on us. And we said, well, can you give us the information now? No, you still, I mean, they still, <laughs> they still, couldn't still could not provide the information that we were asking for three months ago. So just to clarify, in our district, because everybody's doing this a bit differently all over the world, really, but um, in our district, they gave folks a choice between what they called the virtual academy and the um, like on-site options. Basically, when schools can reopen, they will go and be on-site. Now, the thing that gets really murky about this is that then the districts, this district at least, and I've heard this about other districts who have similar models, have then interpreted that in all kinds of ways in terms of like whether or not you're allowed to go back on site when you want to, whether or not you're being kind of forced to do that, whether or not, you know, if you chose on site and then you're nervous about what the situation actually is that you want to then go to virtual academy and if you'll be allowed to there's just a lot of murky things and pe parents were asking for clarification about all of these topics and we're not getting answers especially special education parents they barely said those two words the whole summer it's like i get that this is a crazy situation and we're all trying to figure out our way in it but shutting parents out especially special ed parents is not the answer most of us are used to having to collaborate and having to you know come up with unique solutions we are not expecting them to solve it all for us but to shut us out and just say no it's fine <laughs> that is not an acceptable answer and so I'm just I'm just saying I, I think we wanted to just kind of talk to you all about this a little bit and also validate probably what you're all feeling, which is that these models aren't working. But how can we come up with more creative ideas about what will work, but also mostly to say, like, advocate, advocate, advocate. This is the time. Yeah. And this is one of those instances where I feel like we're in a privileged position where we can get a lawyer. I mean, it's not comfortable, but. We can figure out a way to get a lawyer and, and use one to our advantage. And there are a lot of people who can't because of their economic situation, because of their you know situation at home. There's a million different reasons they can't. So the squeaky wheel gets the grease, a.k.a. the people who can afford to, the people who have support systems in place already, they can, they can fight and the rest can just take the scraps. To be fair, they're ignoring Everybody. Yeah, there's a couple There's things. equality in that brick wall situation. But I think what it comes down to is that there is this like attitude towards special ed students, even by sometimes special ed professionals, which is the idea that it's like, oh, well, the model we're using, she's not learning under. So that must mean she can't learn. <laughs> and that's a fundamental problem. Right. You know, if you if the whole point of special education is to come up with an individual plan that helps an individual child who has learning difficulties learn, then you have to keep trying different things till they can learn. Right. But that's not actually how it ends up being applied. Hey, man, if you ask for this, this is, you know, the gen ed kids don't get this. And it's like, yeah, well, the gen ed kids were born with the ability to learn by osmosis. Weren't they? Yeah, the whole world's set up for them and not for our kid. That's why it's special needs. 
<laughs> like that's the whole point. So I mean, yeah, that's, uh, you the know, rage is real. The rage is deep and, and runs in many directions. Yeah. What's interesting is I've uh, been reading a couple of sites from uh, people who have autism, young people who have autism. And uh, one of the things they say is, for one thing, they don't like the term special needs because they're like, no, it's not special needs. It's needs. Oh, yeah. Period. Oh, of course. Yeah. I have a disability. It, It doesn't make me less than you. It just means I have a different thing. Sorry. (laughs) No, I love that. And that's why it's so important. I mean, there's so many reasons it's so important to listen to people who actually have autism, who are actually autistic, as the the popular hashtag goes, is that it's like, (laughs) I I want nothing more than to be accepting and supportive and loving of my child and other people with autism and who are autistic. And yet there's still always going to be things that I didn't think of. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. But that's why it's important to listen. That leads us into a positive thing we're going to share. Which is because there is it's us. If you've listened to our podcast before, we know you know that we are about trying to reframe. <laughs> so we had the worst IEP of our lives. Then we're like, okay, we have to have like sort of debriefs, and then we're like, okay, we have to get like food delivered. So we got like sushi, etc. <laughs> and then we decided we had to watch something together as a family. And of course, sometimes that can be as any family knows can be a challenge. So sometimes we end up going in interesting directions with these choices. So it ended up, I was like, let's watch comedy. Cause I grew up watching stand up comedy and there would be plenty of times that I didn't understand what they were actually talking about, but whatever, it was still fun. So we chose Hannah Gatsby's comedy special Douglas. I knew that Hannah is autistic And so I thought she's really funny and brilliant and is like reinventing comedy. And so she's so much fun. And then I I was, as I was putting it on, it was like, oh, right. Bethany's going to watch somebody who is autistic being really funny like our kid is. And so it was like, oh, that was a nice thing. And it was like so cheering because it was like, okay. (laughs) And so much of what Hannah Gatsby talks about is basically like, the way that I look at the world is part of my strength. Stop being weird about it. No, <laughs> nobody is like surprised that I'm autistic. So let's move on to the way that I look at things is fun. You know, like generally speaking, there's lots of things that she's talking about in that special, but it just made me feel so much better because it was like, right. Our girl will find her voice in whatever way it is, but she will. But the problem is that it's like all of these folks who are, limiting her in their minds and not even always realizing and I think that's the devil of it is I think a lot of folks don't even realize they're doing it but then they don't hear it when they're being told that they are you know well I think they're trying to help I do think most teachers on a one-to-one or aids oh, or, the teachers you know, for sure paraeducators and you know even you know up to the uh, uh, executive level I I think they are trying to help it's just that their version of help they don't realize is like, oh, you're trying to, you're, you're giving them the way out. You're making it easier on them when sometimes they need it to be easier. But what they really need is this thing to be easier so you can make this other thing harder. It's it's a matter of like being creative until you get what you need. Like until you get them in a position where you feel like you can actually teach them. And so, I mean, we're definitely not throwing shade at the teachers. Like that is still staying true. No, it's like, a hard I see, fucking job. And, and I see their like magical unicornness and it is very true. But it's also like they're being set up for failure and it's not fair to them or especially to the children. Yeah. And especially to our kid. Just give it to her. Give it. <laughs> But Hannah Gadsby, folks, holy shit, right? 
she was funny oh man she's great i'm so excited about her it was just nice to watch like b didn't watch but like two actual minutes of it and that was just because she was sitting there with food in her lap and she couldn't get up but she actually looked at her and we were saying oh hey uh, that hannah lady she also has autism and look at she's being funny you could do that and she's like oh Interesting. And then she said words that she was like, I don't get what she, you know, this doesn't seem funny to me. Where's all the stuff about, you know, where's all the getting in trouble stuff? Where's, uh, yeah, yeah, where's all the stuff where people do naughty stuff? But that also leads me to something else, too, which is like uh, just remember representation matters in wherever you can model uh, for your child, um, autistic people, just autistic people in general. But especially when they're doing things that are sort of similar to what your kid is interested in, like our kid is really funny and um, really expressive and like and just telling stories and stuff. So it's like a stand up comedy thing is perfect for her. The other thing, too, that we and we know that this is a loaded thing, but Julia on Sesame Street continues to be super helpful to Bethany. The words right out of my mouth. I was yeah. about to yeah. go and, right into that. And I understand that there's a lot of concern about Sesame Street's involvement in Autism Speaks, and that makes total sense. But apart from that loaded aspect, like I think they're doing incredible things. For example, this video that they made that Bethany is obsessed with that is basically about Julia, who is autistic, and I think she's supposed to be about four or five, so she's younger than Bethany. But it's basically a, a Zoom call with Julia and her daddy and talking about having to learn how to wear a mask. Now, obviously, this is a controversial topic, too, because some of our kids really will not tolerate it. It doesn't matter how much you're teaching them. And so then it becomes an issue of, like, where is protection versus acceptance? But Sesame Street did this lovely video where it's like Julia is learning how to wear her mask like okay I'm going to paint this mask it's my mask okay I'm going to learn to wear it in little bits okay now I can go to the park because I have my mask on and I'll be safe well it was two things she's obsessed it was like two things in one for her it was the mask bit which is what it's ostensibly about but for me it was also like hey it's showing you know a zoom call with her father and Mm -hmm. like and again the great thing about it is her father's looking directly at her he's talking to her oh he's my child and she is Every so often glancing at her dad, but mostly she's looking off to the side or, you know, she's her eyes listening, are wandering. Yeah. She's listening, but her eyes are wandering. And I'm like, great. This is, I mean, this is great for so many reasons. One, it shows Bethany, hey, see, someone else does Zoom too, and they have to figure out their way to watch it. Mm-hmm. And Julia is doing the Zoom, but she has to figure out a way that makes her comfortable to keep attuned to it. And, th- and this is also good for the grown-ups watching it's like oh okay maybe they don't have to be watching me with their eyes the whole fucking time just it was it was just a nice like it's three minutes long and it's just this nice little like slice of like oh yeah this is great it may you know bethany loves it and she doesn't like wearing a mask either but she immediately upon seeing this video grabbed her julia doll grabbed a mask for herself and a mask for the julia doll masked up went to school that way because she was watching it before she went back to school and they were like, oh, Bethany, hey, you're looking safe. And we were like, hey, you can take your mask off if you want. You're at home. And she was like, nope, I want to wear it. So we were like, great. This is awesome. It's inspiring. It's, you know, go Julia, go Sesame Street. You rock. I also really loved the fact that they showed the way that the dad has learned how to break things down for Julia and how to be accepting of her and like how to think about how to teach her specifically how to do this thing. So I really thought that was so lovely. And how to um, listen too, because and how to listen to her and how to like think about what she's feeling instead of just do it, do it, do it. I don't know. It was just really nice. Again, three minutes long, but she's been watching it constantly. It was, there's just something comforting about watching people be emotionally healthy, you know? Well, Um, it's nice because Julia is 
very close to what Bethany was at that age. It was, yes. and I think Bethany on some level, you know, either sees it outright or, or subconsciously sees it. But I think it's again, that representation thing. It's like, oh, there's somebody like me, which is very nice. It's very cool to see this. So yeah, two, two bits of uh, positive representation in media, one we've done before, but fuck it. Well, we're just going to keep coming back to Julia because we love her. Yeah. Well, if they keep knocking it out of the park. They have, and, and Sesame Street, just for you, so you know, has lots of videos about things like hand washing and social distancing because it's Sesame Street and they fucking rock. So, yeah. But I think we're almost uh, out of the woods here. We can finally uh, put this this terrible month to bed. <laughs> <laughs> At long last, goodbye September, hello October. If you want to catch us, by the way, we're doing my other podcast, the Hold Up Podcast. Allie is guesting on our Halloween show because it's Halloween, right, folks? Ooh, spooky! Oh shit! Oh, we're gonna stay home and nothing's gonna happen. No, we're still we're saving Halloween. We're saving it. <laughs> yeah, Save, safely. If you want to join us, you can go to holduppodcast.com and you can hear our newest episode about me and John Longino and Allie talking about Allie's favorite movie, The Last House on the Left. Yeah, it, it's not my favorite movie. It is completely not appropriate for anybody. <laughs> yeah. This movie is so violent. You, do, you, don't, you don't need to watch the movie. You just listen to the episode. But it, I don't know. It just might be it might be interesting if you've been enjoying our podcast and want to hear us talk about something completely different. It might be interesting to you. We, we talk almost nothing about special needs. It's great. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to, please write us at sensoryoverloadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, y'all, have a great October. Enjoy Halloween in your own special ways. And remember, your child is stealing resources from the normal kids. Mm-hmm.